Welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I am Michelle, your head witch in charge of holisticism. And I am Wallace. Welcome to the pod. Happy Friday. We've got your wellness news. Let's get into it. Bing, bang, boom. Wallace, I'm seeing a lot of things on my feed about vaccinations, which on the one hand is great because I think vaccinations are lawful good and we want people to not die from COVID, especially populations that are marginalized and are more likely to catch COVID and not be able to treat it. And as a direct result, I feel like I'm seeing even more crazy fucking shit on my Instagram feed. (laughs) This week I saw a woman post that the water nymphs told her that everyone who's getting the COVID vaccine is like going to die or something. And that we're sheeple if we're getting the vaccine. And that is the alt-right propaganda that I don't think I need in my life. No. I mean, like you said, when we were talking about this earlier, leave the water nymphs out of it. Let them be. (laughs) Don't bring them into it. It's not the water nymphs, man. (laughs) They did not have to be part of this conversation. (laughs) No, absolutely not. But you know, if you're in Ohio and would like to participate in getting at least the first vaccine, which we hope you are, you can enter the lottery. They're giving away money. They're just giving it away for people getting vaccinated. So that's good news. That's pretty cool. But we also did see, reposted, I sent you a video that I saw on IG. Oh yeah. Our dams were piping hot this week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, really. It was from Halo Wong. And it was a great video. It's like a three minute IG TV from Hala Wong. And Hala has some awesome, I've been following her for a while because she did. Um, She's so funny. Yeah. She did this series called like QAnon goddess or something. And it was like a day, of, a day in the life of a QAnon spiritual person. And it was hilarious. It was a satire and they were so funny and so on the nose. So go check her out. But she had this amazing video about how people alt-right, anti-trans, anti-vax people are identifying, quote unquote, identifying as vaccinated. So they're tweeting out that I identify as vaccinated because they don't want to get the vaccine. And oh my God, Hala articulates this so beautifully. So go watch this video again. It's only three minutes of your life and you're going to be really grateful for it. But she made so many like clear, distinct points, primarily that you can't identify as vaccinated because gender doesn't always interact with biological status. So it is something that you, and we don't even use the word of identify. We don't use that terminology identify anymore because it actually is quite invalidating. So first off, the terminology is wrong, but vaccination- I did not actually know that. Yeah, that so- It's newer for me because- then you can obviously argue that that's not actually someone's gender. If it's like, oh, well, they just identify as, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Same thing with preferred pronouns, which, you know, there was a time where it was like, that was the most inclusive thing you could say is, oh, they identify as, or yeah, their preferred pronouns are, but now it's just, what are your pronouns and what are you? But vaccination is a biological status. It's like you're either vaccinated or you're not. You can't identify as vaccinated. And that language and terminology is anti-trans because it's completely invalidating and like anti-vax and alt-right. And it's just just like mocking it to, and it puts themselves and other people at risk, which Hala also makes a really nice point about. Yeah, yeah, especially like, again, the people who are marginalized by COVID the most, which are often BIPOC queer people or trans people. And just all of it is gross. And that's the thing. I think that you should do whatever you want with your body. I would say, think about the repercussions for your community and people who maybe don't have the same privileges as you. Please think about that. But it's when these people are aligned with alt-right, anti-trans, anti-vax, propaganda, QAnon adjacent shit that it's harmful 
it's incredibly harmful and that's not wellness and well-being. And if you have, I don't know, dude, I think if you've got a wellness or spiritual practitioner or teacher who's talking like that out of one side of their mouth, then I would argue that they're, maybe you should go study with someone else. Or claiming that the water nymphs are (laughs) saying that this is the way to go. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, guys. You're smart. You can make your own choices, but yeah. Yeah. Speaking of other nonsense that I've seen on my screens lately, I got a very interesting email from the chalkboard magazine. Oh yeah. You forwarded it to me. I was livid. It was a blast from the past. I must say I haven't subscribed to chalkboard mag in a long time. I think I was tired of seeing like, I don't know, here's another way to incorporate spirulina and I was like I struggle (laughs) I was like I struggle with one way I don't need 10 ways of how to do it it's not gonna happen no for me brah I have sort of like a burner email account where I like subscribe to a bunch of that's the move yeah right it's like uh, everything in here is kind of trashy every now and then I'll like go through it and I'll see what what's good I don't think I've opened, sorry, chalkboard mag. I don't think I've opened anything from you in the last year, but I did open this because it infuriated me. And the subject line was remove this from your refrigerator immediately, which is a red flag. That's a red flag for me. Feels like unless something's molding, do we really need to remove anything immediately from our refrigerator other than maybe like a bomb? I don't think that there's anything that we need to remove immediately. Feels extreme. I I will say any bag lettuces that have, sat there that you're planning to eat those go bad real quick that's it that's right that's true that's true yeah the the spinach that you bought thinking to put it into your smoothies and it's just sitting in there rotting in the back of your fridge that you need to remove immediately this week is salad week baby and then (laughs) you have no salad every time every time I trick myself I've been doing that for years well this email I opened it up and it said it says has a chalkboard little logo on the top and it says Dr. Gundry on toxic protein and what's in your fridge. And then it says, most Americans feel like no matter how many diets they go on or how much they exercise, they still struggle with weight gain, junk food cravings, and even belly bloat. However, a breakthrough discovery shows that the real culprit is linked to one extremely common protein that's in your refrigerator right now. Learn more about this common toxic protein. So I click on the video because there's a link to a video. So first off, my bullshit meter is going off as someone who's a copywriter, as someone who worked at a bunch of startups in the wellness space, and also as someone who understands how affiliate marketing works and how all these slimy people in wellness, Dr. Gundry, Dr. Mark Hyman, Mark Sisson, Chris Carr, all these, Gabby Bernstein, all these people do the same shit where they circulate each other's like books or whatever, new bullshit that they're selling. They become affiliates of each other and then they get kickbacks that they send their audiences to their quote unquote friends who are actually just business people. And they all use this inflammatory alarmist language to like fear monger people, especially around health and to making quote unquote better choices around their health. So I'm on one at this point. I'm like, oh, serve me up a soft one. I cannot wait to hit this out of the park. So I click on the video and I have to watch a 25 minute video of Dr. Gundry and horrible stock videos of like women eating, thin women eating chicken kebabs. And also, (laughs) dude, it was so weird. And I was like, just thinking it was the, the language was horrible. And like every 30 seconds, he would be like, but I'll tell you about the one toxic protein after I tell you this. And it was like, get to the point, my guy. And I couldn't fast forward because they disabled the fast forward button. And so eventually I watched the video so you guys don't have to. He just says, red meat is bad. And by the way, if you don't eat red, you can eat red meat. But if if you pair it with these other things that I'm trying to sell you and talk to you about. And it just pissed me off. Just made me like really angry. I'm really angry at the chalkboard for like using that type of alarmist language just to make a quick buck. So that was my rant. That's my problem with the wellness space. Also, I mean, the clickbaitiness worked. Got you to watch the video. Well, because I was triggered. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I don't know. But I just don't see this tactic as something that's viable anymore. It just feels so outdated. You're like, this is not really how you convince people of anything. No. 
but it does work because if it didn't work, then people wouldn't be doing it. And Mm. I've worked at startups that will not be named that used this same thing to sell memberships and subscriptions. And it felt gross when, you know, I was like working for them and seeing how this whole industry worked like this side of it. And I don't think people always get that. They don't see that. This is how affiliate models work. Like people aren't genuinely friends with each other. Just like Rachel Hollis isn't like genuinely friends with Marie Forleo. I mean, I don't, I don't think she is. She might be. They're business people doing business partnerships. And so they create quote unquote friendships or alliances that are public to get more people to buy into each other's products so they can all get paid. It's a really weird pyramid scheme. And I just wanted to call it out. I'm disappointed that the chalkboard participated in it. I get that we all have to make money because we live in capitalism. And when you have content business, that's often what you do is you rely on ad sales or affiliate sales. But this just felt like meh. Below, below the bar for chalkboard, in my opinion. Mm. Tiss, tiss, chalkboard. Honestly, it made me think of when you sent it to me, this Tiffany Haddish video that I watched that will link below where it's what she ate in a day. And she definitely is eating meat. <laughs> and she's eating whatever she wants and it's fabulous. And it's inspiring. <laughs> it's funny. And it's also a good kind of check for the culture of what I eat in a day videos, which also feels really outdated. So it's a nice commentary on that because it's like, you know, sure, we're all curious. I've watched many a model what I eat in a day videos. Just be like, what do you eat? No one can tell you what you should be eating in a day other than maybe like a dietitian. Um, Even then, yeah. Like, and like, I don't know. Does everyone know that like what you eat in a day videos and like the Vogue makeup tutorial videos, those are all just paid sponsorships. That's like paid content. That's, it's not actually what people eat. They're getting like, sorry to burst bubbles, but like, that's not, maybe if it's Tiffany Haddish, cause she's yeah. making a joke, but like <laughs> every single product is paid for. It's just like when celebrities like dump out their bag and they're like, here's what's in my bag. None of that shit's in their bag. That's brands that have come to the magazine or to the celebrity and said, like, we want your endorsement and we'll pay you for it. And so then they do it's product placement. Like it's, I just watched a video. Okay. This is going to out me. I just watched a video from Olivia Rodrigo on, she did her makeup on Vogue. And first Mm -hmm. off, I'm obsessed with her. She's so cute. Yeah, I love her. But like every product was Glossier and it was abundantly clear that she did not actually use the products and she did a great job of like selling them but it was like oh this is glossier product placement this is it's not that Olivia actually uses these products and I just wonder if people actually like are falling for that or if they're like we're all in on the joke why can't we just like talk about it you know yeah I think it depends on what it is I can be ignorant to that I think it depends on the space I feel like in those videos it's pretty obvious but if it's like a micro influencer Sometimes that mm. you don't know. Well, we can say that at the cost, none of our stuff is product placement or sponsor. <laughs> Truly. <It's> not. No. <laughs> we are, that's actually part of our values that we don't get sponsored so we can give real reviews. Because so much of this stuff is like, yeah, smoke and mirrors. I mean, we try and give you freebies because who doesn't like a discount? But yeah. <laughs> never say no that, to free. I learned that in college. Yeah. Exactly. That doesn't mean we don't give our honest reviews. It's true. Sometimes to our detriment, I have gotten more than one angry email from a brand that we've covered. So anyways, everything I do, I do for you guys. So uh, let's talk about funding updates in the wellness space this week. We got some good ones. Sanctuary. Sanctuary world. Wallace, do you have the app? No, I don't. I did have it. (laughs) Whoa. I cycle through different... I'm kind of like a fickle app Same. user. I Same. had Sanctuary for a bit. I think there were too many notifications and I just got annoyed instead of turning the notifications off. I think I deleted it, I, but I didn't hate it. I just, I didn't like the user navigation. It was tech thing. The yeah. content was fine. It was just like the way it was organized and yeah. Yeah, I... I had all the apps, all the astrology apps at a time. And now I think I have only time passages because that's the OG. Although I've heard the Chani app. True. 
I do stay in the Chani app. Time Passages is the OG app. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I re-downloaded. Wait, not the pattern. I did re-download that and promptly deleted it. <laughs> CoStar. <laughs> I re-downloaded CoStar recently and I'm like, this is so confusing. I feel gaslit every day. Yeah, I was going to say, why? It's like mean. It's so mean. <laughs> I don't know. I guess sometimes you just want to drag yourself, you know? Yeah, but it's like an AI robot that's just spittering out gibberish. And it's like a mean fortune cookie. I'm going to delete it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sanctuary, the app that no one has on their phone here in this conversation, just raised $3 million for their seed round, which is pretty decent amount of investment. And I saw something. I have some insider information on Sanctuary. Do you want to hear it? Of course. So, okay. I met the co-founders of Sanctuary a couple of years ago. And in all the media that I've been seeing about Sanctuary, it's referred to Ross, the founder, co-founder and the CEO of the app and how it was his idea to start this thing and this, this horoscope app. And that's not true. That's also, if you just take one look at his LinkedIn, you know, it's not true. <laughs> yeah, it's not true. Ross didn't start the company. He's a co-founder now, but the woman who started it is named Emily Thomas. And I met her and I met Ross about a month after he joined Sanctuary and Sanctuary was created inside an incubator, which means that there is some funding and for someone to like come up with an idea and Emily, and I think she had another co-founder at the time, came up with this idea for an astrology app, astrology on demand. And it did well enough that I think they got some more funding from that incubator. That's typically how it works. And the incubator brought in Ross and Ross has a media background. He worked at Hearst. He worked at Epics, I think. And he kind of came on to be the sort of like CEO guy. But I remember speaking to him at a WeWork in New York he sat down and told me he didn't know anything about astrology and that can totally have changed. You know, it probably has changed, but I just think it's so interesting that this app that has a founder or CEO at the helm who, I don't know how much he cares about this stuff or if he just sees it as a cash cow. I mean, I don't know if it necessarily matters, but I just think it's so fascinating that VC funding and the tech world is catching on to spirituality and is choosing to monetize it and commodify it. And this is, I mean, maybe that's good. Maybe Sanctuary app is great. It's a great option or maybe not. Maybe that's a, uh, some red flags. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think the thing that it, I, I don't know, you know, a lot about him. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt, but I think just optically, it's like, why do tech companies, and this happened where I worked last, it was like right before we got acquired, it was like, sorry, we just need to hire 10 middle-aged white guys who are, <laughs> who are named John, Ross, David, or whatever, to make sure that like the company can look like it, it knows yes. what it's doing. Look legitimate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like no shade to Ross, he seems like a perfectly nice person, but Emily, I remember her telling me, oh, I write all the horoscopes. She knew her shit. And to see her now, she just looks like she's an advisor of the company. It doesn't look like she's involved anymore. Clearly, she maintains a large number of shares and she yeah, had a good deal. I hope for her that she got a sweet payout, but that's just like, ugh, bummer. Yeah. Speaking why we... of bummer tech investments, actually. Yeah, yeah. pivot, pivot into that. <laughs> that's kind of a Debbie Downer, but this company Orchid recently received close to 5 million in funding and it is backed by the CEO of 23andMe and Coinbase. What Orchid does is it <laughs> analyzes polygenic risk scores in order to estimate the likelihood that your child will have a particular condition by analyzing the genome. So that could be like schizophrenia, that could be diabetes. It, it, it's a range of things that they're wow. saying that they can predict. But the fucked up thing is that most of the researchers and doctors cited in this article are like, that's not, that has not been proven to be an effective way of actually measuring the outcomes of disease. And furthermore, it's been studied on 75% European people. And mm. so inevitably it's really a small pool of people that this company is basing all of its 
services based off of. And it's really fucked up because it's like designer children at its height. Right. So basically like you could run the genome on like an embryo. And then if it said like likelihood for schizophrenia and bipolar is high, you'd be like, okay, cool. Let's not use that one. Let's use a different one. Yeah. You would essentially not use that embryo. You'd look for a different one that had a lower risk chance. I think it's designed for people who are doing IVF, Mm. which is a huge industry. And it's just really scary because then what it says is it says, we're going to help determine if your child or your potential child is at risk of say schizophrenia. And then ultimately what we're saying is you don't want that child to come into this world. So we're Mm. empowering you with the decision to replace that child. And that having schizophrenia is an abnormal condition that we should all try and avoid. And it's normalizing this idea that you know, certain conditions should be stigmatized and we should be making these decisions not to have these types of natural occurrences in childbirth and in the world. Well, it reminds me of what we were talking about last week with autism and people who are autistic and how exactly. there's not like, yeah. a, it, we're not trying to cure it. There's nothing wrong with them. Wow. That's horrifying. It's and really scary. They just got funding and they were supposed to have the release of their test in April, but so far it doesn't look like it's come out. And there's a lot of skepticism around it, but also the people who have backed it, like 23andMe and Coinbase, that's yeah. powerful. Backing. That's really powerful. I mean, 23andMe, I remember doing my genome and pulling, going, running my results through Genetic Genie. And it pulled out things like more like higher likelihood for depression. I was like, ding, ding, ding. You didn't have to look at my DNA (laughs) to tell that. But some other stuff that was like, ooh, that's a little scary. And yeah, I mean, that's eugenics. So so it's not great. It brings up a lot of bioethics questions. And it's also veiled as we now have the opportunity to have choice of how and when we decide to have children because we don't want to be bringing children into this climate crisis. And I think it kind of furthers people's argument that if they're going to have kids, they're going to design them as much as they can. Wow. That's absolutely horrifying. And yeah, I don't think I would be picked (laughs) by that logic. I don't think I would get picked. I don't think Ethan would get picked. (laughs) Like, but I could see why a parent would not want their kid to go through the pain of the human experience, right. Of like getting a cancer diagnosis or getting a diagnosis, uh, something that makes your life what seems like harder, but that's also what makes it your life. That's what makes you, you. Yeah, this is such a complex issue and we're only at the beginning of talking about it and seeing tech come into the space and really disrupt it, or I don't even want to say disrupt because I feel like that has a good connotation. This is a little bit of a scary scenario, but even Roe v. Wade is coming under scrutiny because of a case that the Supreme Court has just agreed to take via Mississippi that would prohibit abortions after 15 weeks. And it's currently under 24 weeks. So it severely adjusts access to abortion. And if this is happening in 2022, but if Roe v. Wade was overturned, abortion would be banned in many states immediately. So I feel like there's a lot in the space of reproductive rights and ethics that we're going to be seeing over the next few years. Yeah. And it feels like that is so far in the opposite direction of the sexual health as part of like what we're looking at now, this almost sexual revolution in in the tech world as embodying it for our holistic well-being, right? Like that an orgasm a day is not just good, you know, because it's enjoyable, but it's really good for like your cramps when you're on your period. And it's great for increasing your oxytocin and helping with things like depression and being embodied and connected to your body. And our article today, our white paper inside of the cusp is all about sex tech and non-binary sex tech, because really, I feel like that's very forward facing and on the frontier of what's happening, honestly, just like awareness when it comes to gender and the binary. And it's so cool that to see like sex tech embracing that. And then you look at the fertility, which seems to be adjacent to this industry because like sex and fertility go hand in hand. And it feels like the total opposite. It's conservative versus liberal (laughs) in the same space. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's true. I'm excited for the white paper. Also, we have some really awesome discounts to be taken advantage of in the cusp this week. Yes. So if you're not already part of the cusp, it's our wellness hype beast community and newsletter that we send out. Actually, we send out a newsletter every week. You're part of the cusp, but we do white papers, reviews, job listings. It's really fun. And we send out freebies. So you get discount codes and free classes and all this good stuff. And you get way more than your $5 worth. Trust me. We make sure of that. So if you haven't already joined, you can click the link in our show notes and go ahead and join us. It's a real party in there. Also, you know, if you need a new vibrator, this is the time to join. <laughs> this is your week. <laughs> got some great brands. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll be selected some of our favorites for you. So if you don't know where to start, we'll point you in the right direction. All right. Well, uh, that was a little bit depressing, but I feel like we ended on a positive note with an orgasm or illusion to an Here orgasm. There you go. Take an <laughs> orgasm break, guys. <laughs> Take a break at midday, have a snack, have a nap, have an orgasm. That's right. That's what the doctor, that's what Dr. Wallace ordered. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening and stay tuned for a little deep dive into intuitive business. Hi, so I wanted to do something a little different today. We're going to talk about planetary hours. And actually, this is a sneak peek of some content that's inside of the North Node. It's not the full thing. If you want the full hour-long spiel on planetary hours, you can pop into the North Node. But if you don't know what the North Node is, you're like, what is that? There's so many things. Yes, we do a lot here at Holisticism. We have the 12th House Podcast. We have the Cusp. We have our courses like PCCL and IWA. And we have the North Node. And I would say the North Node is the queen. It's the queen of Holisticism. The North Node is our private members community for intuitive entrepreneurs and leaders where we bridge the gap. We sort of have a foot in each plane, in each realm. One foot in spirituality, mysticism, and magic, and the other in this real life where we are talking about things like conscious or being capitalism critical. I don't know if we can actually call, if we can say conscious capitalism, it's not really a thing, but also how we can create businesses that actively divest from the problematic aspects of capitalism and create businesses that feel supportive to us and communal and not individualistic and that resource us and our communities. And how can we bridge those two things together? How can we marry our spirituality into the businesses or the organizations that we run and that we lead? And play to both these sides and see how these two things are actually deeply connected. You know, when you're writing a nurture sequence, that's not that different than when you're nurturing plants. So you can study herbs to understand more about how to nurture people. And all of these things are connected. Like there's magic in the mundane, you know, and the mundane is business (laughs) and the magic is magic. And so these two things come together more often than you might imagine. And I think that we really need both and a balance of both to create new this new paradigm around business so the people are so cool inside the north note they're so fucking cool and we have hundreds of members and when you join you go through this archetypal journey of the intuitive entrepreneur so you go from seeker to detective to alchemist to the advocate all the way to the visionary and through all of those stages, you we walk through a curriculum, you get to check off some boxes of things that you learn. And then we drop content every single month. So it's kind of like this mini course for each archetype and then monthly content, actually weekly content that we drop from trainings to master classes with experts and healers to readings. We do readings every month to one-on-one coaching to co-working sessions to what else do we do to group coaching. So where we have people self-coach with each other and it's really cool. We do rituals. It's like such a magical little coven of human beings and I'm so grateful to be part of it. But this is, there's so much content that we've made because we make at least three masterclasses or trainings every month. And this is one of our trainings though that we've done over the past two years on planetary hours, productivity, and how to really like get the most out of your time. And I know that productivity is not like the sexiest word in the world, but it's something that I've been obsessed with. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast and you've heard my episode on Monday, hour one, which if you haven't, go back and listen to it or at least after this podcast, I think it'll be really helpful for you. But I'm like kind of obsessed with trying to understand how to be more effective and efficient with my time because I'm not a naturally productive person. Like far from it. I just found out I was diagnosed. I was just diagnosed with ADD as a 32-year-old adult woman and a lot of things are coming together for me. 
<laughs> but I'm realizing that I've spent my whole life trying to be normal. <laughs> well, not I got in some ways normal, but trying to work the same way that everyone else works and it didn't work for me. And so I've found all these hacks and different ways of doing things in order to get to keep up with others, right? And in some instances, it's helped me get further ahead than than most people or like help me be more productive than a lot of people because it's almost like overcompensation or something. But I'm obsessed with productivity because I think because it's so hard for me and because it's not just like I can find one hack or put a Band-Aid on it and it I know how to do it. It's like it's like this moving target, <laughs> productivity or getting things done. And, you know, I'm not saying that productivity is the most important thing in the world. It's not, you know, capitalism loves to tell us that our productivity equates our value. And that's just simply not true. And if you're running your own business, <laughs> you need to get some things done because if you don't, no one will. And <laughs> that's the truth, especially when you first get started. And my goal isn't to be productive. My goal is to be prolific. I want to make lots of work. And I know that um, a lot of work I make is going to be bad because that's the nature of being prolific. But I also know that there will be some gems in there. And if I just keep showing up, that's like 90% of the work, right? For me, it feels like 110% of the work, but I want to be prolific because I know that eventually I will create something magnificent. And that's interesting. And if I, as long as I stay curious and I stay open and I stay connected to my intuition, then I'm going to stumble upon something really great, right? And I think that I do every now and then. But I, I say all this to give you some context of why there are so many things that I teach around productivity. I think because it's so hard for me. And I think there are a lot of people who can relate to the way my brain works or just the, the same struggles that I go through, whether you are diagnosed with a, you know, ADD or ADHD or something else, or you're just like a person who's gone through a global pandemic and like a really tr trying year and exhausting year. And you're maybe on your own and you're not, no one is telling you, you need to get that blog post done because no one's your boss. You're your own boss. And that can be a real adjustment and shift to, okay, well, if I'm only sort of like, I don't know, relying on myself to stay focused, then how do I do that without being horrible to myself, right? Without being an absolute jerk? How can I be kind and gentle and also get things done and not kill myself while I'm doing it? And so this idea of being productive and also bridging the gap between the real life sort of like gross productivity books that you see in, I don't know, the bookstore around business section, and also the spiritual elements that and the psychological elements that come up when we're thinking about using energy to get things done. Let's bring them together and talk about planetary magic and batching. So planetary magic is uh, in planetary hours, I should say, every hour on in, in the calendar is assigned to a planet and it rotates. It's not the same every single day. So on Monday at 8 a.m., it might be a Mercury hour. On Tuesday at 8 a.m., it might be a Mars hour. It shifts and you can use apps to figure out planetary hours or you can calculate it yourself. It's not that hard to calculate. You have to look up the sunrise and you need to do a little bit of math, but it's pretty simple arithmetic. And the idea is that every hour is connected to a planet and each planet has a specific energy and sort of force and um, area of expertise that can help you get things done in those ta like tasks done that allude to that. Planetary hours and planetary magic is very common in witchcraft. So there are lots of spells that ask you or require you to perform them during a specific planetary hour. It's also just if you think about astrology and how astrology works, astrology is nece isn't necessarily predictive of future events. It's more, at least from my perspective, it's more of a barometer of the what's up in the ethers, right? So like what's happening right now. And the reason I like planetary hours and also why I like astrology is because it feels like understanding where the wind is blowing. Like we can draft off of what's happening in the sky to get further in whatever we're trying to do. So like, let's use the example of a race, right? 
it doesn't matter what's in which way the wind is blowing when you're about to run a race. You're going to run the race regardless, right? You're here to run the race. We could say the same thing about, I don't know, signing a lease for an apartment or launching a product. And if you know the direction the wind is blowing in, you can potentially say, actually, can we can we pivot the race to, to be in this direction so you can draft off the wind? And I think that that's how we can think about astrology, right? It's a little bit, at least this is the way that I think about it when it comes to my business. I can draft off the energy. So for example, right now, Jupiter is in Pisces. It's going to transition and retrograde back for a couple months, and then it's going to return to Pisces. And that's this like super expansive energy around spirituality and love and mysticism. It's a great time to lean into these like our own practices, but also to talk about them. And so it's, this is actually a perfect time to be talking about planetary hours because people just in general, all of us are experiencing Jupiter in Pisces. All of us are going to be a little bit more open, whether we consciously realize it or not, to spiritual talk. So this might be a great time to, let's say, launch that product around the tarot or to market your services for psychic readings or to just start talking to your closed off friend about your personal spirituality, not in a heavy handed way, but sort of ease them into it because it's almost like the water is warm, like it's ready for us to jump in or the wind is blowing in the direction to help us. And we can draft off that and use it to help us get further or help us move faster in the direction that we want to go. It's the same thing to me as that's what planetary hours are. We're drafting off the energy that's happening in that hour to help us get more done. It doesn't mean that you can't do anything unless it's in the correct hour. So like I can't do any communicating with other people if it's on a Mercury hour. Like that's not, you can schedule a meeting in a Mars hour. It's fine. It's fine. But perhaps if you have a difficult relationship with someone and you often miscommunicate, it would be helpful to look at the Mercury hour on the day that you're supposed to meet and ask if you could meet in that hour instead. It's okay. It's not a big deal. So I think that it can be, (laughs) it can be really helpful. Again, this is kind of some Renaissance witch shit. Like it's, It's some vintage business, but it's also really fun and kind of cool. And you don't need to live and die by it, but you definitely can use it to your advantage. So I have an app. I think it's just called Planetary Hours. And it shows me the planetary hours of every day. I find it to be super useful. And it will tell you like (laughs) what each planet is associated with in terms of the hours of the day. And from there, you can kind of schedule out what you're supposed to do. Now, I'm going to go through the planets really quickly and some of their meanings. If you want to dive deeper into this, I recommend it. We have a great blog post on the 12 houses of astrology and the planets and what their meanings are. I think that might be useful to you. But the moon is all about feminine and changes, emotions, secrets, dealing with women. So that might be a great time to host a ritual or to take a bath or to have a therapy session or to host something like a moon circle or another circle with other people in your community. Mars is all about enthusiasm, energy, passion, protection, competition, anything requiring aggression or determination. So like if you're going to pitch someone, Mars a Mars hour might be really beneficial for you because you're you're actively pitching, right? Mercury is about law, education, travel, thinking, communications, dealing with siblings, funnily enough, medical stuff, divination, delivering messages. Mercury is sort of my my dude that I, I feel many of us are connected to Mercury or Mercury Hermes and how they, because they're gender binary, non-gender binary, I should say, how they show up for us as sort of this like trickster who's also brilliant, who's creative and communicates and also likes to get in trouble every now and then and push buttons and bend genders and is great. (laughs) So Mercury is a great time to communicate and to provide clarity and to, you know, channel your messages, to write, writing blog posts, great time to do it is during a Mercury hour. Jupiter is all about increasing. It reminds me of in Alice in Wonderland when she eats the eat me cookie and then she grows like super big. It's like that, right? It's growth. It's growth. You might blow the roof off with your growth, but it's still growth. So often when we like ask for abundance and we're calling an abundance or whatever, we don't think about the complications of what if we outgrow our container? (laughs) 
what if we get to more than we asked for? Like, are we going to be prepared for that? Are we going to be cool with that? Just be careful. Be careful what you ask for. You'll get it. It's also Jupiter hours for good luck. It's for gambling or investing and speculation. So kind of like, I like to think of it as bird's eye view, big picture. Venus, obviously, is about love and luxury and beauty, decorating, shopping for romantic or creative things and pleasure. Pleasure. And Saturn is long-term stuff, stuff like careers, relation long-term relationships institutions like marriage investments karma and it's a really good day saturn for a reversal spell because saturn i think of it as the the great like equalizer slash balancer if you're shitty going into your saturn return saturn will like teach you lessons to get you back on track right And then finally, the sun, sun hour is ego, consciousness, individuality, creativity, happiness, independence, very Leo. Leo is the child of astrology and that's what the sun feels like. So you can use these planets and look up where the planets are during the day and time your activities to them. Maybe let's say you want to have a big meal with a bunch of friends over. Well, what would be good for that? Maybe that's a Venus activity, right? Because it's about luxury and pleasure and love. And that can even be, you know, fraternal love. That can be friend, friendly love. Maybe you want to host a class and that might be in the sun hour where you can talk about and like stand up in front of people and be really self-empowered and be independent and show off your creativity and your individuality. Maybe you need to go negotiate for a higher salary. Maybe Mars would be a great time to do that or even Jupiter would be a good time to do, a good hour to do that. So we can look at these planetary hours and decide when they would be best to, you know, sort of double click on and then plan them into our lives and plan them into our work. And one thing that I really like to do is batching, is batching content and deep work. We talk about deep work and essentialism a lot inside of the North Node because they are like canon of the books that we read and they're both so useful and they've been so useful for me personally from a philosophical perspective. I've said this joke before, but I feel like the Atomic Habits is like a spiritual text. (laughs) It is so moving and impactful. Every time I read it, I cry, which is so nerdy because you wouldn't think like a book that's kind of centered on productivity would be emotional, but it really is. It goes so much deeper than that. And one thing that we talk about often is how deep work is something that we're not allowed in regular society. You know, we're in the age of micro, micro, micro interactions with every single thing, right? We're not multitasking. We're monotasking for 15 seconds at a time. So we're jumping from TikTok to Instagram, to our email, to texting a friend, to checking out a website, to internet shopping, to whatever, hopping on a Zoom call, to even being on a Zoom call and clicking through other tabs. Like we're just, we're not multitasking, we're monotasking and it's ruining our brains because we're not really giving ourselves the time to sink deeper, right? It's just like if you're having a tough conversation with someone or even a conversation with somebody, the first like 30 minutes sometimes can be a little surface level. And then after that is when you really sink into it, right? And you get to the juicy stuff. If you only had a 30 minute call or a 15 minute call or 10 minute call, right? You wouldn't get to that goodness. And we don't know what we're missing a lot of the time. So deep work is like this. It gives us the opportunity to not just stay on dance, tap dancing on the surface level, but to go deeper into a concept or an idea. When we go deeper, we have more original thoughts. We create deeper connections and we can be more prolific or we can be have a, a more individual perspective, right? A more unique perspective because we're really metabolizing what we're taking in. And we're giving ourselves some spaciousness to like enter our subconscious and make connections that we might not be able to make in, you know, half a minute when we're just sort of surface level thinking about a concept. This is why like you have some of your best ideas in the shower when you're not listening to a podcast or when you're on a walk or when you're driving and you're just letting your mind wander because your brain is able to make these connections. And if you think about how distracted we are by listening to podcasts all day long, but like still listen to this one and watching YouTube videos and scrolling on TikTok, which I'm guilty of, (laughs) so guilty of. We don't have a lot of downtime for our brains. And so we need that. And creating opportunities to do deep work can be really powerful and can help us get unstuck. The thing is you're not stuck. You're never stuck. You're never blocked. 
it's resistance and resistance is normal when you're creating something monumental, when you're creating something that you've never done before. Resistance is normal. Think about when you lift something heavy for the first time, you experience resistance It's because you've never done it before. Then when you do it again and again and again, it becomes easier because your body recognizes it. Just because you have resistance when you first start lifting that weight doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It doesn't mean that you're not quote unquote meant to do it or it's not your purpose. It just means that you've never done it before and you need to get used to it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Don't make it a big deal. So we want to create some space to do deep work for ourselves. And that's where batching comes in. Batching is an idea that I borrowed from deep work. <laughs> I didn't borrow it. I just stole it. That I used from deep work, which is by Cal Newport. It's a great book. I so recommend it. <laughs> Insert deep throat joke here. But deep work is where we block off like three to eight hours to focus on one task or one concept. So that might mean that for the next, you're going to block off three hours on your schedule and write three blog posts. And all you're going to do is sit down and write. You're not going to look at your email. You're not going to look at your phone. You're not even going to answer when your partner walks in the room and asks you a question. All you are doing is doing that deep work. And you can do a little research maybe, but you got to be really diligent with yourself and cut yourself off and be specific about what you're using your time for. So I really recommend batching, especially if you have a difficult time creating content or you're on a time crunch. There's this thing called Parkinson's law, which says that a task expands or contracts according to the amount of time that we allot for it. Meaning that if we give ourselves an hour to fold our laundry, it'll take an hour. If we give ourselves three days to fold our laundry, then it will take us three days and we'll finish it in that last hour of the three days, right? If you've ever like written a paper, I'm sure that you've had this happen. Or maybe that's just my individual experience, but cool. So Parkinson's law is real. And if we give ourselves only three hours to write a blog post or three blog posts, there's a very high likelihood that we'll get that done. However, if we just give ourselves free range to write that blog post when we feel inspired, then it might never get done. (laughs) And especially if we're not doing deep work, we might not get the kind of content that we want. We might not get that really juicy, soulful, monumental, important, specific content that helps us stand out and really helps us hit home with the people we're supposed to hit home with. So Patching is cool. I'm a really big fan of it. And you can batch your content in four block chunks, in six block chunks, in if you wanted to, you could do three hours. I would recommend at least three hours because I think that two hours is not enough time. It's like you can spend 30 minutes warming up and getting into it. And then you can spend like 45 minutes doing your actual work. And then you spend like 30 minutes kind of coming out of it or being distracted or sort of counting down the time. And I don't think that's the point. I think you should just like really be in it. So I recommend finding some time on your calendar and doing this in advance. So at least a month or two in advance and just sketching out where are going to be your blocks on your schedule where you're recording or you're recording your podcast or you're writing your blog posts or you're writing a set of emails and getting that done in advance. And then you can always, this is a beautiful thing, then you're going to have that work done so you can go back and edit it without like being rushed (laughs) and you'd actually get some time to breathe. And that's the other component of deep work that's really valuable is We're not running right up against the clock. When we're allowed to let our work breathe, we get to see it from a clearer perspective when we come back to edit it because we just have fresh eyes. And so that's automatically going to make our content even better or the message that we have to share even more clear. And you can use, let's bring these two concepts together. You can use planetary hours to figure out when you want to batch your content. So you can start in a Mercury hour if you're going to be writing out a blog post and, or maybe you can think about the content of the blog posts or the podcast you're going to record and what hours that might be best for. Maybe you want to start in a sun hour and go to a Mercury, go through a Mercury hour and a Mars hour. That could be a really powerful time for you to be in creation mode. Or maybe you want to be researching. So instead you want to be heads down during a Saturn hour and see what happens next and what flows out of that. So there's a lot of room to play here. And this is also a beautiful time when you're using planetary hours to use planetary magic and kick yourself off with a spell or a ritual. I love doing candle magic before I begin writing something and lighting a candle and dressing it. Well, first dressing it and then creating an intention or creating a spell and then lighting it when I start my work. 
And just noticing the passing of time and feeling as that candle sort of melts down as I get deeper into my work, feeling that magic become more powerful and potent because I'm channeling it, right? I'm just drafting off of the, basically what I'm doing is using all the energy at my disposal to help me be better at my work. Because again, ADD. So I need all the help that I can get. And I'm going to call on my practical knowledge of deep work. I'm going to call on my mystical witch shit from spiritual spirituality, from planetary hours and candle magic and other ritual. And I'm also going to call on things like binaural beats and meditation and channeling using the Akashic Records to help me focus even more deeply. So I hope this is helpful. I know that I talked a lot about productivity, but I think this is something that many of us are running into, especially as we're sort of emerging back into the real world and back into work. And you might be putting your pedal to the metal. (laughs) Your pedal to the metal? You might be putting pedal to the metal getting your business off the ground. And I just want to urge you to do it in a way that feels good for you and isn't just like business way, but is the spiritual and intuitive way that feels good to you. All right. So that's all I have. I hope that was useful. And there's a lot more of that type of content inside of the North Node. So if this tickled your fancy and you want to learn more, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can sign up for the North Node waitlist. We open the doors on June 20th. We open the doors to North Node twice a year. And this might actually be the last time that we just let lots of people into the North Node because it's a really tight community and we can't deliver the care that we want to deliver when there are thousands and thousands of people in the North Node, we need to keep it tight so that we can really make sure that every single person gets the attention that they need. So we have a limited number of spots. This is probably the last time that we're going to open our doors up to lots of people. And after that, we'll let people in on a rolling basis. So you'll be on a wait list and you'll be called up from the wait list. So if you're itching to get access to the content, if you want to go through the curriculum and then have the last two years of content inside the North Node to do coaching calls with me and with the community, if you want to enjoy masterclasses and trainings, mini courses that I put together that bridge the gap between intuitive business and real life and mystery. If you want to be connected with this just killer group of incredible people who are aligned in their set of values around divesting from the problematic aspects of capitalism, embracing each other, uplifting community, and being just like badass witches, then I think the North Node might be a cool spot for you. And we'd love, 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 love to have you. So if you get on the VIP wait list, you'll be the first to know when the doors open. And I think that's it. All right. I can't wait to hear your questions. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. I will see you on the internet. Bye. 